Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Monica O'Hanlon Production. I believe saltwater crocodiles are way more placid than freshies. It's just that they're, they can kill you if they want to. Mon here, back in your ear holes for another episode of Living With Mon, the series which explores interesting and alternative lifestyles. Today, again, we are mixing things up. So far on the pod, we've had an adult baby diaper lover and a professional strongman. If you haven't checked those out yet, I definitely recommend having a listen after this episode. Today, though, we are delving into the world of a passionate wildlife lover with a particular interest in crocodiles. That's right, my guest Vicky has lived with a number of crocodiles in her home for 30 years. She adopted them from former owners unable to meet their needs. And as you'll soon find out, there's a lot to it. Vicky is such a lovely person. It was an absolute pleasure speaking with her. And I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Here's Vicky. Where did you grow up, Vicky? I grew up in southwestern New South Wales on the land, on 2,000 acres, near Daniloquin in New South Wales. And we grew mainly rice, wheat, barley and sheep, a little bit isolated, so I'm a country girl. Were you always passionate about animals? Yes, since I was four. I think I had blue-tongued lizards when I was about four years old. I took one to bed with me one night and it bit me on the finger. (laughs) Mum said it was funny because I walked out to her. It was night time and she said, I put my finger in the lizard's mouth. I wouldn't say that it bit me. And we put the lizard on the veranda and it had 14 babies. So that's why it probably bit me. (laughs) And from there it was stumpy tails and turtles and got my first snake when I was 10. Mum also, she raised joey kangaroos and I remember bringing, I don't know how I got them, a pair of fox cubs and they were great. They were like pets for a while then they, you know, they left us and all the animals were released of course. They were free to go whenever because we were on a farm and when the foxes left they came back and ate our chooks. (laughs) Yeah, always had animals. It sounds like... You were really hooked on the reptiles. Is that is that fair to say? Yes, that's because in the country I saw a lot of farmers killing snakes all the time or running over lizards and not caring about it. And, that you know, everyone would go, er, it's a snake or er, it's a lizard. So I sort of felt sorry for the reptile family and I guess that's why I had, you know, I liked them more, I guess. <laughs> When did the wildlife rescue stuff start up or was that just continuing on from your childhood? Even as a child, mum, dad would bring home or mum, you know, injured animals and we'd sort of care for them and so on and, and I did the same as I grew up. But I I went away, where did I go? I came down to Melbourne, did my nurse's training, then I went back to the country for a while and then I went. I ended up back near Daniloquin, near the property 
And that's when I got into wires. So I had 14 acres there with my husband and did wires, the wildlife information and rescue course. And, did, you know, did it more professionally then. Not professionally, but like legally, I guess. <laughs> but we were, <laughs> were raised, you know, to look after animals and, and um, care for any hit on the road and stuff. My nurse's training was great because that helped me with the care of, you know, the injured ones. So that was really good. I had my own animals as well, so it was a lot of animals. <laughs> <laughs> was it? It must have been a pretty noisy house, hey? Yeah, it was like it was in the country on the farm, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> full of life though. It would have been oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. when did you get your first crocodile? Then in nineteen seventy nine, I got a small salty. At the time, he didn't need licensing. It was in Victoria, and I don't know. I just had a thing with it. Like I was always interested, curious about them. After watching a movie called An Alligator Named Daisy when I was about six years old, and I said to Mum after that, "I want, I want an alligator." Well, we found out that we didn't have alligators in Australia. Next best thing was a saltwater crocodile, but I was a bit young. Mum said so. Um, yeah, I didn't get my first crocodile until I was about 20, I think, 1979. And that just came up out of the blue. And a bloke had it and he didn't want it anymore. So I went and got that and it came with a little freshie as well. And from then on, I just became more and more intrigued, you know, as I studied them. Back then in 79, 80, no one knew anything about crocs really. There was very little studies or research. There weren't any books on how to care for them. There, there was nothing. So the crocodile taught me most of what I know today, or both my crocs have, as I've you know moved on. But yeah, that's when I learned how intelligent they were, and you can bond with them and stuff like that. Rocky, Rocky's name was the first crocodile. He was, he was lovely. Rocky, the saltwater crocky. Yeah, yeah. But, is that it? Um, that's not an animal that I can hear behind you, is it? No, I no. He's some kind of scared. No, my friend getting foraging. Yeah, foraging. <laughs> no worries. I thought I'd better check. Yeah. And so with Rocky, like what kind of personality did he have? Oh, he was lovely. Like they only they tend to bond with one person only. And so he would tend to chase anyone else. Oh, I used to take him everywhere, which is illegal now, but I used to take him in the car, down to trash and treadmill. To the movies, you know, the, the um, piping. And he was like, a, yeah, he was lovely. And I had a two-storey house. He'd walk up and down the stairs and he had his own. I had a big, massive terrarium built inside the lounge room downstairs, a big glass one, which was great. But he would, you know, come upstairs to me and, yeah. So he'd just cruise around the house? Yeah, yeah. And he was, yeah, we bonded like... He, he was really good. He never tried to bite me or anything. Oh, he did. He got me once when I picked him up and I had him hanging by the neck. I didn't grab his tail at the same time and he was hanging there and he grabbed a hold of my thumb and sort of that ripped it down to the bone and I sort of shook him off. And the poor animal, I'd never hurt him or anything before and, like, yeah, he stayed in the one position for hours, like, looking at me and I felt so bad about it then. So how how big did Rocky actually get? He didn't grow that big. 
I only had him for five, I think it was five or six years. I was living in a little place called Howlong, which is near Albury, South Wales, and I came down to Melbourne to work to do nursing. So I'd be down in Melbourne for a week or so and then I'd go back up home. I had a young couple living in my house, sharing my house with me, and they didn't turn his heating on when when the cold weather came and yeah, I lost him. So I learnt that if you have animals, you just can't rely on other people to look after them, not even for a week, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because, of course, like I didn't even think about that, but because they're, they're reptiles, you'd have to have all those heating things, right? And I had all that set up, but these people, the couple took the heater out of the terrarium and um, so the terrarium was cold and they didn't turn his heater on in the pond, which was just turning a switch on. I mean, it was so easy. If they'd just done that, he would have been, he'd still be alive today. But, yeah. Oh, so that's, a shame. That devastated me. Mm. I bet. What's the most amount of crocs or animals actually in general have you lived with? I think I had about, I think, I can't remember. On the farm when I was doing wildlife rescue, I had, I think there was nearly 100 all up with my own animals, my own pets as well as the ones in care. Something like 40 of my own pets and 60 in care. Wow. (laughs) And what kind of animals were they? Well, like I had my own horses, cats, birds, you know, various birds, reptiles, some reptiles. Did I have then a couple of snakes and and Johnny the croc? Oh, yeah, and then I had chooks and, you know, all that sort of thing. And then with the wildlife, anything from wedgetail eagles to pelicans, little birds, big birds, snakes, (laughs) goannas, possums, kangaroos, you name it. (laughs) How does that work when you've got a house full of animals and, like, obviously some are predators and some are prey? How do you, (laughs) do you have to, are they all separated or? Yeah, well, I had a, I had a nice penned area or fenced area. It was quite large and with a, a shed on it built for Johnny the crocodile, but she didn't like it. She didn't want to leave the house, so she came back inside. And that was great for rehabbing a lot of animals in. So it was quite a big fenced area with a, a shed to keep them warm. Birds, injured birds and that's oh, you had aviaries for them. Baby, you know, joe kangaroos, well, they were inside and pos- baby possums and that, they're inside. Any animals that were, like, really needed a lot of care would be inside. Yeah, <laughs> just in enclosures. That would have been absolutely exhausting because were you still working at that time? I was working and I had a baby. Yeah, it was exhausting. <laughs> Whoa, yeah, that's full on. And then you would have had all these other mouths to feed. Wow. Joey kangaroo, they require way more work than a human baby. They really do. Oh, really? I, I wouldn't have even thought. I remember people used to have them in those um, what are they, pillowcases. Yep, pouches. And, yeah. like, hang them up. Yeah. 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 So who's Johnny? Can you tell me about Johnny the crocodile? Johnny's my freshwater female crocodile. I got her when she was just a baby, about four or five weeks old. She was left on my doorstep anonymously, I suspect, by someone that realised that it was illegal to have crocodiles or wildlife. And being a wise volunteer, I was able to take it from there and get her her registered or get her licensed. 
and that was 25 years ago. So I've had Johnny. So you still have Johnny to this day? Still got Johnny, yep. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Can, can you tell me a bit about Johnny's personality? I guess because I haven't had an experience with a crocodile where I feel like they know me. But yeah. because you, you live with your crocodiles and with Johnny, you would get to know them so you'd see their little quirks and stuff. Like what kind of a personality would you say that Johnny has? She, she's lovely. She, she's not cute. She's lovely, but you, you still got to keep your guard up just in case she's you know, having a bad day. But, like, it took five years before she, she bonded with me. She came to me by um, one night I was sitting on the chair and she came over and she just rested her head, her jaw, on my feet. And I thought, well, this is odd. What do I do now, you know? And slowly started stroking her. Like, she was five. I'd had her for five years then. So any handling was like I had to grab hold. We had um, contaminated water supply with blue-green algae on the farm near Daniloquin, and it was very bad. And crocodiles are more sensitive to toxins than any other animal in the world. So she started having periods where she was obviously not well. She lost her teeth, uh, all of her teeth at once, which was strange. And it was funny because in the winter months, she appeared healthier than in summer months which I thought was also strange, just things like that. So every, you know, for a couple of months she'd be unwell and, and then she'd come good. But as the blue-green algae got more and more accumulated more and more each year, her reactions to it became quite severe till she was having, um, she became disorientated and confused and I'd be sitting up with her all night saying, what's wrong with you, you know, because I didn't know, like I'd had the water checked and everything, but... It's not easily picked up. It is under a microscope if you know what you're looking for, but at that time I didn't. So she had these periods where she was very, very sick and I don't believe she would have survived if it wasn't for me just being there for her. So we bonded really closely after that and plus she asked me to the vet. She's had more blood tests, I think, than any other crocodile in the world. But <laughs> <laughs> She'd be so good. Like she puts her trust in me so... Travelling in the car with me is fine as long as I'm there. And at the vet, she would sit on the, you know, the vet table for sometimes a bit for over an hour while she's been investigated and having blood taken and stuff like that, prodded and poked and everything else. And she'd just lay there, you know, while well, I'd be there with her the whole time, of course. But she was just incredibly, she knew, she knew that what we were doing it was trying to help her. Anyway, um, so when she was about five and we gotten very close to me that way she started coming to me and I started stroking her and then one night I was in bed I was on the couch watching tv one day one night evening after work and she came up beside the couch and I said to my husband I hope she doesn't jump up on top of me and she did and I didn't know what to do you know (laughs) it was funny and then it came to when one night I would sleep and I could feel the weight on my chest and I thought it was my cat. So I've got put my arm out and I'm stroking it and I'm sort of dreaming this feels like a straw hat, you know, it doesn't feel like a cat. And it was Johnny lying on my chest <laughs> above my face, you know. So she did that regularly then. Nearly every night she'd come and <clears throat> hop up on the bed and sleep with me, or in between me and my husband. And, like, things like one night I came home from work, evening shift, and... She was over in the corner in the lounge by the fire watching TV 
Well, no, it was off. Because my husband must have been at work that night. It was with me. And I went and sat on the couch in my uniform, turned the TV on for five minutes, and I got up to make a cup of tea and came back to sit down on the couch. And Johnny had moved right across the room and was sitting where on the couch exactly where I was, had been. And she's looking at me as if to say, well, I'm sitting here now. What are you going to do? You know, <laughs> things like that. Like, really, <laughs> you wouldn't – it's just a shame I never had a, you know, a video, you know, security camera or something in the room watching because just so many times things like that would happen and be just – it blow me out. Like, you think, God, <laughs> really was like a little person or is like a little person, you know. <laughs> Yeah, she sounds really cheeky. <laughs> cheeky. <laughs> how, how big is she, Vicky? She's one and a half metres, and that's about the average size for a female freshwater crocodile. Does she have like a, a bath or something as well that she lives in, or does she just, she just roams around the house? She's got her own room, which is fully lockable and enclosed and with a big pond in it, and it's heated and all that sort of stuff. I can't tell a 25-year-old crocodile, like telling a 25-year-old person not to, you know, why can't she come out of the room now because the regulations state that you've got to have them in locked enclosures at all times. So this is what I'm having difficulty with. How do I tell the 25-year-old crocodile that, no, you can't come out and sleep with me anymore? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I won't sort of talk about that too much. But prior to all these problems occurring, yeah, she would wander around the house, go outside in the sun. She was outside having a walk one night and I went out looking for her with a torch, found her and I said, come on, Johnny, let's go back. And this is the only time it's ever happened. And she actually followed me back to the house and called the door like a dog. You know, she'd never done that before. I'd say, it's time to go, you know, time to come back in and I'd, making the house and eventually she would come in but this time she actually followed me which things like that they like they're slow to learn but once they learn they don't forget wow what was the most amount of crocodiles that you had living with you like salt water freshies and then how many do you live with now i had five crocodiles up until 2000 yeah, 2018 i had five crocodiles because I had a mate for Johnny, bovine, a male freshwater crocodile. He came to me as a little two-year-old and grew up and then you know, he matured and finally he mated with Johnny. They eventually had babies. So I had two of their babies, Johnny and Fovian, and Jilly, the saltwater crocodile as well, in the back. Yeah, Jilfia. But I call her, um, I call her Jilly. And she was a sweetheart. She... Uh, in a way, she was more likeable than Johnny. She was more placid. I believe saltwater crocodiles are way more placid than freshies. It's just that they're, they're, they can kill you if they want to. <laughs> a freshie can't. So a, French, a freshie is more defensive, more nippy. But Jilly would be just hanging around all the time, you know, like she was, yeah, she was placid as. How did you come across her? A friend of mine who lived up in Darwin, he had Jilly and Fovian. Jilly was three when she came to me and Fovian was two. And he worked at a park up there. Anyway, um, he had to return to Japan. So he asked if I would care for them, for him, and I said yes. So they were flown down and that's how I got them. And he had to return to Japan where he still lives. 
he he flew down a, a saltwater crocodile and a freshwater crocodile. Yeah. How do you? I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah, well, you can between zoos. I actually had to talk to the manager, I think it was, of Qantas, and convince him that it was okay for this salty to come down to this private address. And anyway, and it was on the night <laughs> to fly down, so it was really rushed. Anyway, I managed to convince him with permits and everything, and down they, you know, down, and she actually, her and her brother came down, a male saltwater crocodile. They were about five feet, five to six feet at the time. Yeah, when they arrived. And so did they, surely though, did they live in the house with you too? Because I feel like you'd have to be a bit more careful with a saltwater yeah. crocodile. No, um, Gal, Gal Varis, he, I found a temporary home for him, you know, with a reptile person. And Jilly stayed with me and I've got a bungalow out the back of this place behind the house. So I set that up for Jilly with a pond and everything. I, I didn't have enough room to be able to accommodate two salties especially as they grow bigger. Yeah, totally. So did she come inside at all? Yeah, she was in the bungalow and she would be in the backyard and then one day she, she must have been hungry. She came to my back door, just wandered up to the back door and looked in and I said, oh, got a bit of a surprise. So I fed her. <laughs> so that became more routine and then she you know, eventually snuck inside the house. She <laughs> to open the back door with her snout. She used to bang on it and then she learned to actually slide it open, uh, even when she was 10 feet. Then <laughs> <laughs> she she was lovely. She'd come in. She'd either come in for company and she'd just lie, you know, lay beside me or follow me around the house or for a feed. And then she'd either go back out through the laundry door to the bungalow and sometimes she'd go to the spare room and jump up on the bed and stay the night in there. They just yeah. wanted to be close to you by the sounds of it. Yep. Yeah, I remember one day she came over to the house and she just had a snout, her head inside the door. I was talking to a girlfriend at the table. Oh, we were talking for hours and Julie just went to sleep listening to us. She didn't want to feed, she just wanted company, you know. Oh. Yeah. Did you ever have any near misses with Julie? No. Oh, really? No, one time I was feeding her and she was hungry. And, like, they come flying at you with their mouths open when they're really hot. <laughs> and she shook the fish out of the tongs. I sort of moved back a bit to grab another fish and Jilly flew out of the tank. This was outside. So she landed with her head between my legs. I was standing up and she, her head's between my legs. And I thought, this is not good if she's hungry. And um, she hit my left leg. And I'm screaming at her, no, Jilly, no. And she hit my right leg, then my left leg. And I'm going, no, Jilly, no. And you could see her thinking, like, what What are these two big stumps beside her head, you know? It's <laughs> really close up. They can't determine what it is because they've got, oh, what should we call it, vision, like it's zoomed in. Yeah, so they can't really determine, but she could hear my voice. And anyway, then I, I was able to move away from her. And not once did she, you know, turn her snout onto the side or bite my leg. She just hit it with a snout to see what it was. That That's really amazing because it's instinct to, to bite or grab a hold of anything that's close to that snout. But she didn't. So after screaming at her, no, Jilly, no, I'm going, good girl, good girl for not biting me. <laughs> but, yeah, she, she knew and no was the first word 
probably was one of the first words I taught her, so that, you know, if she picked something up she shouldn't have, or when she grabbed the took one day, I'm going, no, Gillian, and she'd, she'd let it go. It didn't matter what it was, she'd let it go. That I have to say, Vicky, that's so wild because I grew up in northeast Arnhem Land and so, you know, doing surf club and just swimming at the beach and stuff or in the rivers, like crocodiles were a big part of, I guess, my upbringing or being um, wary of them rather. And so to hear you talk about crocodiles in that way, like it's it's really wild. Like, of course, they're super intelligent, but I guess I never got to know one like you have obviously with Gillian yeah the others it is I from what I know of Jilly or and Johnny but especially Jilly there's no way you'll find me anywhere up in up north where crocodiles are found in the wild (laughs) (laughs) and so quiet and so silent and just you know yeah I'd be extra cautious because they don't know me of course but like I was watching a video only yesterday I think it was on on Facebook and it's of this smallish man, I think from Indonesia or somewhere, and he's hand-feeding with his hand, not tongs, a massive salty, like it's massive. The head is so big, in the wild, and then he's stroking it. <laughs> like, now that's what I call amazing, you know. Jilly was domesticated and brought up as like a pet. To see the bloke and the um, rapport he has with this massive giant crocodile is really amazing. That's amazing. Totally. Hey, I just had a thought, Vicky. With the crocs that are just like walking through your house, do you toilet train them or how does that sort of thing work? I toilet trained Johnny when she was much younger. She would poop in the water in her pond and that that would like, you've got filters and that, but it would require a full clean. And if I was busy, it it was annoying. But I'd have to sort of go, good girl, Johnny, yes, you know. (laughs) And then I would do it, but she could feel that I wasn't impressed. But anyway, she's got to do it anyway. And then one day she did it out of the pond on the floor, and I said, oh, that's great because it's so much easier to clean up. You didn't have to change a whole pond with you know, water. And, yeah, so then after <laughs> that, like one day I was cleaning it up and she came, she was watching me, she came over and she had a snout like a few centimetres from my hand as I'm cleaning up the foot which stunk and I'm going, good girl, good girl, and she's just looking at me intensely, like, you know. And then I remember on night shift I was sleeping during the day and um, I could smell this smell. She'd come down to the bedroom and she did it beside the bed because she knew I'd clean it up for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, yeah, so she was toilet trained. What a well-behaved crocodile. Yeah, she is. Things like that obviously would affect your lifestyle, like living with a crocodile. But are there any other things that you kind of have to be wary of? Like do you have to be worried about kids coming over or I guess going on holidays would be a big one, right, because it would be pretty hard to get a pet sitter for a croc, I would imagine. You have to have the right people to do that. No, she's always locked up. You know, I'd always keep her like in the room, locked in the room because it's just they can be funny sometimes because I think they can sense things about people that we can't if they're a nice person or not so nice person and she could attack, you know. That, but being a freshie, I can't do a lot of damage really but uh, still, I don't want people running off and saying they've been bitten. No, of course, of course. And you're obviously doing the responsible thing by yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That actually reminds me. So I was watching this video of you. I think it was the Vice video and you, I think you're with the cameraman and suddenly you're like, oh, I think we should probably get out of here. I can feel yeah. they're talking to me telepathically. And then suddenly, was it Johnny that was the no, one that, that jumped out? That was Bovin. He's a boy and he was very protective or territorial of the pond area. And as he grew, he became more and more protective or territorial of it. So they will go strangers more than me. But I've moved him on now. That particular day, I said to the cameraman after he finished filming, we'll go out of the room now because I can sense that he's going to jump out, you know. And the cameraman just wanted to keep filming. (laughs) When that happened, he said, oh, I, I won't show this if you don't want me to. And I said, no, show it because it shows that although you might trust them to a certain extent, well, Fobian I never trusted, but they are capable of attacking you or telling you to pee off very quickly. <laughs> so, yeah, so I allowed him to show that and unfortunately that's what the department, that caught the department's eyes of being irresponsible and all that sort of stuff. But we thought, I'm like, he was only little, gosh. I think it just goes to show how in tuned you are with your croc mates because that's pretty I honestly when you were saying it before I I hadn't spoken to you yet and I was watching this video and I'm like oh yeah like maybe she can sense something but nothing's going to happen and then something does happen and it's like mm-hmm. what could you feel could you you just felt like he was saying get out or when they're talking to me that's that's totally different that's like you know when you get the feeling of a ghost or something around you or the adrenaline's running or it's a weird feeling it's not uncomfortable but it's weird and that's when they're looking at me intensely and I've had that you know a few times over the years quite quite a number of times and they're trying to tell me something but it's their body movement it's their body position that I can tell if they're going to jump or not Johnny's eyes will go dark if she's not in a good mood so if her eyes are really dark I'm wary of her but in the water, it's the way they position themselves. You can just tell <laughs> in the way they look. You can just tell they're going to have a go. <laughs> uh, it's just so interesting. <laughs> yeah, what, what an interesting house you must have. So at the moment, are you, you're just living with Johnny, is that correct? Yep. yep. Yep, I've only got Johnny left now. I had a business going before all this stuff happened and I had my license suspended and I miss that because I really, wildlife is my passion and, and in particular um, reptiles and crocodiles and I loved going out and educating people what I knew because I've got so much knowledge living with them and, and little things that scientists aren't going to pick up for a long time, you know. Yeah, it's just a shame I can't share it. When I had crocs and critters, my business, I'd go and educate people about the conservation ecology of Australian wildlife and take my reptiles along and educate people about snakes and lizards and all this sort of stuff and in general wildlife altogether and how we must look after them. And, yeah, they're dangerous, but you've got to be wary. You do a bit of first aid. and I just love doing that, you know, because I'm so passionate about it. So. Yeah, I mean, those kind of things, I think especially living in Australia, is just almost like it should be compulsory, I think, when you've got native animals that do have, you know, the potential to kill you. I I think that kind of work is so important. 
I'd, I'd been doing it, educating people about reptiles, more animals in general. Since I was little, I used to take my pet snake to school, you know, and talk about it. <laughs> um, it all my life. And, and then when I was able to get an actual lot demonstrator's license and do it professionally, it was great. It was a dream come true. And coming from the country and growing up with these animals and that, I think I have a little bit more knowledge than city people. I'd forget that a lot of city children hadn't seen a snake or a lizard or a turtle or let alone a crocodile, you know. <laughs> but no, that that was really good. So I miss that. But, yeah, it's made life a little bit easier just with the one croc. But I miss the others. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. How do you do it with the feeding? Like, do you feed twice a day or three times or one time? No, when she's hungry, she lets me know and I feed her. And that could be anywhere from a couple of few times a week to once every, once a week. When they're really little, when they're babies, they need feeding daily and then every couple of days. But as they get older, they their appetite decreases a bit. Well, they don't eat as often, but they'll eat more at a time, if you know what I mean. I mean, Jilly, she'd eat up to two kilos in the city and then be hungry two days later. But it's weird because sometimes they'd be really hungry and Johnny will be jumping out wanting dinner every night. For, it might be for a few weeks and then all of a sudden doesn't want to eat for a few weeks. So it just very varied. What, what happened to Jilly? What's her story? Well, I ended up taking her, I drove her myself up to Darwin from Melbourne in a van and got her safely up to Darwin. She went to Matt Wright, the croc wrangler. That's probably the hardest and saddest thing I've ever had to do was to take her up there. I did it because I felt that the department were coming down on me so heavily. Anything I did to accommodate her here wasn't to their satisfaction, no matter what I did. And I just didn't want them confiscating her and, and perhaps euthanizing her or ending up in a zoo, you know, took her up to Matt. But, um, yeah, I haven't heard. I don't know how she's faring. I've sent a couple of messages but haven't heard back. I'll get send him another message, but I guess he's busy. But, yeah, that, that and leaving her was just terrible. Like, I felt, for me, I can handle it, but for her, I mean, she only knew me. Like, she, yeah. the first couple of years, she was with the Japanese bloke, but she was with me for 10 or 11 years and um, she was such a pet. It's not right to have them as pets, but if they can't be in the wild, well, it's not right to have them just locked up in cages either. They don't like being stared at or gawked at or looked at. They're very intelligent, you know. Yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, that's why I sent her there, but, gee, that's, you know, that was hard. That was really hard. If I had the money, it's all about the money, isn't it? If only I had the funding, I would have moved up there and bought a couple of acres and taken it, you know, kept her myself. 
Yeah. Oh, it's tough, those kind of things. Is that, would you say, is that a dream? Like do you have any goals or dreams, Vic? Yeah. Well, my dream was always to have a wildlife park, always, and take in and foster, you know, sick and injured as well. And rather than me going out demonstrating to schools and that, have people come and, you know, see the animals at home. I don't condone people having crocodiles as pets, even though it might look like I do. I don't. Like, I'm passionate about them, and I think that's different. Most people, well, people here in Victoria that have them, they're demonstrators and they have them to demonstrate to people and they're just kept in cages and brought out and demonstrated, you know, or they're just in zoos. They're a specialised animal to look after and they take a lot of care and they have got feelings and they are sensitive and I just think, You've got to be yeah, really passionate to have one. A little update on Vicky. The legal issues she's facing concerning her wildlife licence are ongoing. If you want to read more about it and show Vicky support, I've linked all her social media in the show notes. A big thank you to Vic for sharing her story. She's an absolute legend and I was chuffed to have her on the show. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. And if you did, the best way you can show your support is to rate and review this podcast wherever you listened. Each and everyone helps other people find the pod. And as an independent creator, it really helps me out. Now, if you have any ideas for new episodes, I would love to hear them. You can find my contact details in the show notes as well. The show's Facebook and Instagram pages are also there so you can stay up to date with all the episodes. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Monica O'Hanlon and that was Living With Mon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.